Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, January 3rd, 2020. The first Friday of the new year and the first Friday of a new decade. I am now six weeks post-surgery to repair a severed tendon in my left knee. I'm happy to report that I'm making great progress toward being able to walk again. This week I began physical therapy. I can now bear some weight on my leg, so thanks for bearing with me and thanks for all the prayers and well wishes I received since this is the beginning of a new year. A year in review episode might be appropriate. What was the biggest story of the year? My vote would go to the never-ending impeachment investigation against President Trump, but there are the presidential election campaigns of all the Democrats, the Constitution becoming ever more irrelevant because it is voluntary, not self-enforcing. So goodbye, Constitution. Goodbye, rule of law. I could also talk about rising debt levels at every level of government and among the public as well, and the inevitable upcoming debt crisis that will bring. But instead, I've decided to revisit the Middle East, specifically Afghanistan. Where do we stand in Afghanistan after 18 years of fighting, dying, and killing there? A new year, a good time to ask that question. Washington invaded Afghanistan 18 years ago, and as a result has suffered more than 2,400 dead Americans, more than 20,000 wounded Americans, along with more than 110,000 Afghan dead and the expenditure of more than $1 trillion. We don't have to wonder what it was all about anymore because a report in the Washington Post published December 9, 2019, tells us the report consists of about 2,000 pages of a material that a court ordered the office of the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction to release to the Washington Post. The report paints a Robert McNamara-type picture of America's entry into an occupation of Afghanistan. McNamara, who was Secretary of Defense under President Lyndon Johnson, therefore responsible for the conduct of much of the Vietnam War. In a televised interview after the war, said it was all just a mistake. We shouldn't have made that mistake, he said. By that, he meant... He and President Johnson, who created the lies and deceptions to justify what they already had decided to do, they shouldn't have done that, he said. Well, I'm sure the 60,000 dead appreciate that sentiment. The Afghanistan papers, as the Post calls the report, are supposed to remind us of the Pentagon Papers of Daniel Ellsberg fame, paints a devastating picture of the lying fraud that made up U.S. war policy and continues to do so to this day. The report consists of interviews and recorded conversations of those who began the war as well as the generals and the bureaucrats who conducted it. It cuts across the Bush and Obama administrations and points out that even the Trump administration is continuing down the same path. The documents contradict a long chorus of public statements telling us that victory was just around the corner, and all the while their private comments revealed that it was all just a pack of lies. They knew and admitted they knew that the war was unwinnable from the start. Nothing of any value could possibly be accomplished there. 
the good war in Afghanistan, as President Obama called it, only required winning the hearts and minds of the Afghan people. The report reveals three administrations at the presidential level, all acting in collaboration with military officers, civilian bureaucrats who lied deliberately, repeatedly, and systematically to the public, especially to the media, about the actual conditions in Afghanistan. Thousands of documents reveal how, despite knowing that the struggle was pointless and unwinnable, additional troops were continually added or surged into the struggle. These same officials regularly overstated the success the U.S. had in winning the hearts and minds of the Afghan people. They simply made up or invented much of the news coming from the war. They understood clearly the war was unwinnable and a waste of lives and resources, like many of the problems for which Democrats and Republicans attack each other, attempting to assign blame the Afghanistan war was and is bipartisan. One article published in the New Republic points out that the documents reveal a bipartisan consensus to lie about what was actually happening in Afghanistan. Chronic waste, chronic corruption, one ill-conceived scheme after another, resulting in a near unmitigated failure to bring peace and prosperity to that country. Both parties had reasons to engage in the lying and the cover-up. For Bush, it was his global war on terror, and for Obama, it was a good war as opposed to Iraq, the bad war. What is the true cost of Afghanistan in terms of dollars? No one seems to know exactly. My guess is no one wants to know. The report makes it clear, however, that the cost exceeds $1 trillion and counting. It's also clear that as soon as U.S. troops were on the ground, the occupiers, i.e. the politicians and bureaucrats, began to flood the country with money, which is customary in U.S. wars now, but of course it makes corruption inevitable. One contractor described in the report how he was required to spend $3 million per day on projects in an area the size of a U.S. county. He said that unlike U.S. boondoggles, he would be doing his boondoggle for communities of mud huts with no windows. U.S. Army Colonel Bob Crowley described how at headquarters every data point was altered to present the best possible picture. He went on to say that everything over there was totally unreliable, but we became a self-licking ice cream cone. It's easy to see how the American people have been misled, even brainwashed, by their government. The media, such as the Washington Post, which published this story, the New York Times acted as the government's mouthpiece, often publishing government press releases verbatim. Honest efforts at journalism were stifled, as were politicians who sought the truth. Ron Paul, a few others come to mind. Who benefits from all this waste? Who benefits from more than $1 trillion of taxpayer money, but mostly $1 trillion of debt, which stifles our future standard of living? The answer to those questions probably explains the whole war. What about the more than 2,400 dead on the U.S. side? This month, that number was raised by two as two men were killed when their helicopter crashed. The Taliban took credit for destroying the helicopter and the men. What about the more than 20,000 wounded, more than 110 Afghan dead? No one knows how many Afghans have been wounded. No one wants to know. 
If those who perpetrated this disaster knew from the beginning what it was, can there be any doubt that the government from top to bottom contains a lot of lying psychopaths? I don't use that term loosely, by the way. I don't refer to leaders of my own government as psychopaths without some evidence, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder. Psychopaths have a poor sense of right and wrong. They can't understand or share another person's feelings. They have no conscience. None of that little voice that lets us know we're doing something wrong. If the psychopath lies to you or steals your money, he won't feel any qualms, though he may pretend to. I submit that psychopath fits those described in this report perfectly. Did they care or feel remorse for the lives they were destroying? If the answer is no, then psychopath is an appropriate description. Finally, folks, to all the dead, thanks for your service. If you were left with no legs, no arms, thanks for your service too. Blind with permanent hearing loss, well, thanks for your service. Post-traumatic stress disorder, so bad you can't hold a job or have a marital relationship, thanks for your service. Depressed to the point of taking your own life, thanks for your service too. It was apparently all just a trillion-dollar boondaggle, but hey, thanks anyway. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.